When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back home after a four-game road trip. Trade rumors are swirling. Players are leaving the club. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Yeah, it's true. Uh, welcome in Orange and Back Check episode 135. As always, make sure you're subscribed to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. I mean, players are leaving the club, Scott. They're just like, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Lucas Sedlak <laughs> just went back to the Czech Republic to play in the professional league over there. Like just when you know when things are going bad, they just kind of seem worse, don't they? Like you know, like oh yeah, let's get a guy who's actually played pretty decently, and he's like, nope, don't want to be here, moving on. But there, there's it, it's deeper than that. Obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, it just looks it looks bad, <laughs> it looks terrible. It looks so bad for an organization that's already struggling to find an identity uh, that relates to this to this fan base. We've talked about that time and time again. Um, We'll get into it after this one, one, and two road trip. That, uh, I mean, you can t- you can take some takeaways out of it. An incredible night from Carter Hart against New Jersey. I mean, I, I, again, not to mean and sound like a broken record. He is the reason this team is going to go as far as they go, wherever they go in this season, because he is their best player. I mean, forget the point totals that that Kevin Hayes gives you. Forget what JVR gives you. Forget what Travis Konechny gives you. Carter Hart keeps you in games because your skill level is top-heavy for the most part. It's not deep, and Carter Hart's right at the top there in terms of skill. Yeah, it, it's – look, it, whatever he was back in 2020, uh, 2019, 2020, he's found that again. He's, yeah, I'd say know, even better. The, I'd say he's even better. Absolutely better. You know, and that's the thing. Trajectory of you know, goalie. A lot of good goalies have this trajectory. We've it, when this he starts first started to dip. We talked about it. Carey Price went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Carey Price started off hot, and all of a sudden, you know, loses a playoff series against the Flyers in 08, and his play tanked for a while. And he came back, and he was he was elite after that. And some guys just have to go through those growing pains. And Carter Hart has done that, and he was. He moves late, right? Moves great. I can't talk this morning. Wow, what is going on, man? I need more coffee, Bill. <laughs> he moves great laterally, and he's fixed a lot of things in his game, and he's playing with a lot more confidence despite the team not winning games right now. Like yeah. they're, the, he's still playing very confident, and that's what you need when you're going through a you know aggressive retool or rebuild. That's really what they're going through, and. 
you go and you build from the back to the front. So you you had all the pieces. Now you're starting to get that structure, and it really starts with Carter Hart. And you're right. They're going to go as far as he can take them. The ultimate and- fear of mine is that you finally have found a goalie in the last 35 years plus that you've been looking for one for the franchise uh, in this in this city. And by the time you're good again, and now I know you're more optimistic on when this team will get good, um, but when you're consistently winning, I fear like it's not the bad. I mean, we're talking about a 23 year old, 24 year old in Carter Hart, but still, like I just have that nagging negativity in the back of my head going, "You are going to waste Carter Hart's years because you didn't structure it properly." And he's going to continue to be good, but you wasted what he could have been because of how poorly structured this what's in front of him has been. Like that's the Unless- ultimate fear I have. And then if that happens, you go get my boy Martin Jones and you go win the Stanley Yeah, Cup. right. What is this, Nick Foles <laughs> hockey edition? Yeah. Look, I don't think that Carter's going to be going anywhere. And I get that concern. I mean, but I don't think that – I don't think it's going to take that long. I, I, I just don't. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I you see it. You certainly see the uh, idea that it could be quicker than we think. I, I mean, here's the thing, and we've talked about this a couple of times and, and where I wanted to go with this is like, with Chuck Fletcher a couple of weeks ago saying we're only five points out. Well, that's that's obviously ballooned a little bit uh, over these last couple of weeks since then. A- and then I don't think it's out of reality because it is at, at the time and moment it was within reality. But when you in last night's press conference with Torts, he goes, I thought we played well. And I know you're tired of me hearing talking about that shit. But that's what I'm concerned with. I'm not concerned with wins and losses. I'm paraphrasing exactly his quote, but that's what he said. And, like, that is more in line with the reality that I think most Flyers fans are. You're going to get a tough playing, tough to play team. And despite a 6 3 loss against the Rangers on Saturday night, that's what you got. You, they played very, very well. But then you have, like, this, like, it, it's almost like pandering. Like, it, it's not pandering in the sense, like, we're still, we still think we're a top echelon team from Chuck Fletcher. But to say, like, we still think we're in the playoff hunt, yeah, you're right. But you're also pandering because at the end of it, we know this is not really where they're going to end up. They're a bottom set, they're a bottom ten team, and that's exactly where they are. They're on the tater, the cusp of being a top, a bottom five team. So like, that's why I'm so more appealing to Torts' reality than Chuck Fletcher's reality. I get it. I get it. I get where people are at with it, and I think the glaring problem is, is that they're not seeing the whole game. They're 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 not like when you look at this team as a whole. The the glaring thing that we've talked about all season long is that they don't have enough scoring. They've had problems at the center position, which we'll get into shortly to add more. But they also started off on the wrong foot because they've been so banged up and they have so many injuries to so many of their key players. This team is playing sound structure hockey, if you ask me. I think they're playing extremely well defensively. They don't give up a lot of great scoring chances. They're doing little tiny things that you might not notice that would have hurt them in years past. Like, for instance, I was watching the game the other night against the Devils, and the Devils were coming in off the rush. Now, let's note that the Devils are probably the best offensive team in hockey right now, and the Flyers limited them one goal. That's not just because of Carter Hart. That's because of your team defense. And there was one little well, thing. Wait, wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute. You gave up Hold 49 on. shots. Okay. And 48 matter. of them were turned away by Carter. Uh, okay. I agree with that. 
But still, it's still, still. But it depends. How many high, how many high quality scoring? Sure, that's were always there? yeah. If if you look at the tape, I'm sure there were some low quality chances, which goes right. to, the, to the effect of the team defense. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Bill, for actually being an observant fan for once and actually watching for once. For once, flying by the seat of my pants, <laughs> watching this stupid uh, team. You know, agreeing with me and, and, and saying that you know, yes, that, that's my point. Uh, just bust your chops, but. Like for instance, because if you if you keep guys outside the dots, those aren't great scoring chances. You know what I mean? But you know, like late in the game, there was a lot of good ones the Devils had in close where you know they they still were coming. They had to go left, right, and really they were taking away the middle. But anyway, the point I was trying to make was that there was a great play where the Devils came in off the rush, and Scott Lawton was in on the back check. And I'm telling you, the Devils were seconds away from a great scoring chance, one timer from the, the from the dots. It was going to be a great play, but off the rush. All Scott Lawton did was keep his stick in the lane, and he took away the pass. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but like it's paying attention to those tiny little details like that, anticipating that pass might is probably going to come. You're keeping your stick down regardless. And he had turned back to the point where he had turned around, and he basically had picked it off. It wasn't like, yeah, I just got barely got a stick on it. No, it's like he was in great position for it. That's exactly what I'm talking about, about when I'm saying this team is better than you think. What's killing them is that they can't score goals. But we all knew that. We all knew they were going to struggle to score goals. But when you dive underneath the surface and look at this as a whole, they've improved tremendously over last year. And that's why I'm saying that, yes, it's not about reality. It's that John Tortorella has to take this one game at a time and say, look, we got a lot of work to do here. It's not going to be good enough. When they play well, it's not going to be good enough. But he'll give him shout-outs when he need to be. But Chuck Fletcher's not wrong by saying they're not that far out still. They're, they're, but, he is, but he is wrong because the reality of the situation is where the team is. Like, Torts is being a realist about where this team sits. He is saying, we don't have the skill. We need to be better skilled. I'm trying to figure out who wants to be here to in the long term to go from it. That's why he's talking about last night after uh, the the Rangers game. He doesn't want to break up the line that's on fire right now in the Tippett, Frost and oh, um JVR despite now we're hearing rumors that JVR is on the trading block. So like what it's just the reality sense that Torts gives fans is not being spoon-fed to them, which in Philadelphia you certainly appreciate and can get behind. Tor or excuse me, with Fletcher I think the difference is just the guy that's like, yeah, hopefully we can make a push here. I see a, a lot of a lot of positives, and maybe he does. I think he does see a lot of positives, but the negatives are pretty important. Like we can flick off and say, oh yeah, the the, the lack of goal scoring is a concern. It's a major concern. It it is the a fundamental. It's like the Ben Simmons thing when he couldn't shoot. <laughs> what is the number one aspect of basketball? Scoring points. What is the top reason you win games in hockey? You score more goals. And if you don't have a, if you have a two top heavy uh, core where Kevin Hayes is your leading scorer, who's getting scratched health, healthy, getting a healthy scratch. You can talk, we'll talk about that in a moment. Like, and then you also have uh, up and down with Travis Konechny, who's on a tear, who's doing well. You have uh, Lucas Sedlak, who was contributing. Leaving the team, just going, I'm out. I'm out of here. So, and then you're still trying to figure out who Owen Tippett really is. I mean, you heard it in the preseason uh, of 
Fletcher just flat out saying, I need to know if you want to be a goal scorer or a banger because I, I don't know what you're trying to be and you need to decide. So that is where we're at here. We're, we're dealing with a team that is top heavy on the, on the uh, scoring with players like Travis Konechny and, and, and Frost, who's on a tear. And obviously throw Cam Atkinson in there when he gets back healthy. I mean, we know he was just placed on IR, so it's really a matter of concern of when he's actually going to play this season. Obviously, Coots as well, but according to the rumors that we've read and we've seen since really the preseason, he's not coming back this season. So, like, it's just a sense of reality that we're dealing with uh, for Torts to Fletcher. Like, that's the most frustrating thing, I think, because Torts is tapped into what is really going on here, and Fletcher is not. That's why Fletcher, Flet, that's why Fletcher will be fired by the end of uh, the, by the trade deadline, if not soon. No, listen, listen, I, I get what you're saying, but it's still six, you know, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. It's, it's the, they both understand where they're at with it. I don't think Chuck Fletcher is out of tune with it. I just think he's being honest and then saying, say, look, despite everything that's going on, we're still seeing light at the end of the tunnel here. Like, you can't just expect the team to pack it in and say, you know, in December and be, well, you know what? We can't score goals. We suck. Let's Yeah, but tanking. that's not his role. That's just his, that's not his role. I agree with you. It is not Fletcher's role to say we can't score goals. That's Torts' role. That is the coach. Right, right. But I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm, I'm not even saying the Chuck Fletcher would say it, but he's looking at it and say, look, 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 you know, when you, and not to bring up, you know, last week's comments, but it's like the vision is, it, hey, he's seeing longer term. Torts is taking it day by day by day by day by day. I think Chuck Fletcher, you're, you're, people are missing the point that he's looking at this from a long-term perspective. And like, hey, look, towards the end of the season, at the point in time, they're only five points out of a playoff spot. They're now 10. Yes, they might be 10 points out of a playoff spot, but if I'm in Chuck Fletcher's shoes, I'm looking at this, you know, and saying, okay, despite the fact that we can't score, we have a team where we have problems where we're having to scratch, you know, arguably our best center, even though he's been playing the wing lately, and Kevin Hayes, losing a player like Lucas Sedlak because he doesn't want to be here anymore. Despite all that, we're only X amount of points out of a playoff spot. Are we near the bottom of the league? Yes, but you know what? 10 is attainable. And the fact that they just went on a road trip and went 1-1-2 one, one, and two against some pretty tough competition should say something about where the team is at, is that they're not a team they're just going to roll over. It's not a situation from the last two years. This is a situation where they have some guys, some veteran guys, who are starting to get back. You know, the team had some more jump once JVR came back. You know, if Cam Atkinson returns, That'll be something. If Sean Couturier returns, and we, you can't play the what if, you have to play with what now. And you mentioned Owen Tippett. You're not going to find out and you know what Owen Tippett is until you get a real center playing with him. Until you put him on a top-tier center, you're not going to find out if that goal-scoring ability is going to be there. But the thing is, I never really agreed with are you a banger or are you a goal scorer because you can be both. Like, you know, you, you, you can do both. Have you, have you ever seen Corey Perry win his prime? You know, he he could he was a banger and he also scored a lot of goals and he's still playing to this day. But that's that's my point is that you're not going to know what some of these guys look like until they get healthy, until they get some top tier talent, the top centers to really play with some of these guys. And, and that's what they're missing. And that's what's holding the Mac is not the fact that they're playing badly and they're playing like a bottom team. What's hurting them is that they can't score. 
because they don't have enough skill up front to, to score at the NHL level. They just don't have it. So that's probably why JVR is on the trade block because you're trying to clear up that salary to try to make something happen in the offseason to do that. But also at the same time, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take heat for this hot take coming up, so be prepared. <laughs> oh, no. If you don't have any suitors for him, would it be worth it to bring him back on a reduced deal? Because nobody's going to pay him what he's paying now. Is it worth it? Because you're right. Him, Frost, and Tippett are playing well together. And that can help you out down the line. That's just the way I look at yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're too optimistic to me. Like, that's really what this comes down to. I'm trying to stay in, in the lane. Oh, I know. You're, I know. Trust me. You're too optimistic for me. And I, I love it. I, I at the see, same time, I, I see hate the light it. at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I know. I see the light at the end of the tunnel because I'm looking at this from a long-term lens. I'm not looking at it from where they're at right now. I should. But the thing is, anytime I look at this, I look at this as a work in progress. Like, okay, if you take me back to like 2020, 2020 is like, I'm like, what the hell's going on here? This this team should not be playing this poorly. Last year, when the wheels fall off, when you fire the coach, you know the season's over at this point. But I'm a big believer in that a team can improve drastically. And it doesn't take a whole lot to do that. Again, I've seen them come in strides over this past season of what they've done, the little parts of the game. You know, are they inconsistent? Yes. But as John Tortorelli even said, they're young and dumb. They have a lot of young players. They're trying to figure out where they're going to put in this organization and who is going to stay here going forward. But when you go a 1-1-2 and two on a road trip, now that doesn't sound impressive. And don't look at wins and losses. But when you when you lose in overtime to the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the best offensive teams in hockey in a game they should have won, yeah, okay, you have a letdown in front of 5,000 people in, in Arizona, but you still gained a point because you had Morgan Frost breakthrough and have four points. And then also you fought back to tie that game. Then you go to New Jersey and you you win in New Jersey two to one. You don't make a lot of offense, but you stop the most offensive team. Those for me, those are huge positives. Like okay, you can play with the top tier teams. You're really missing goal scoring. And once you get goal scoring, this team is gonna real. Co- that was a really bad snap. This team is gonna. That was another really bad snap. My God. So yeah, that was terrible. So this team is, you're going to see it click once this team's got some goal scoring. You're really going to see the difference of how exciting they can be because Carter Hart's going to be better. Defensively, they're going to play very well. And they start putting the puck in the net. Man, I'll tell you what. Like I said, they're better than you think. This isn't as big as a rebuild as people think. They just they got to find a way to get scoring, whether by trade or anything. they got to figure it out. Uh, before we get into the controversy now brewing with Tortorella and Kevin Hayes, this episode, as always, is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network, and DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, you can join in on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game, and you can get $150 in free bets if they win that game. And if that wasn't exciting enough, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. We're recording this on Sunday morning, just a couple of hours away from the World Cup final between France and Argentina. There's some great, quick same-game parlays, a great feature on DraftKings. They already build up what the same-game parlay should be. So I'm looking at the France money line, both teams to score, Olivier Giroud to score, and over-under total goals for France at 2.5. 
plus 1,000. I mean, why not put a dollar on there? Win a win 100 bucks if my math is correct. Uh, you can download and combine, or excuse me, you can combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, or and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for those details. Kevin Hayes, Scott, what is his future? Because I have one that I don't think ends very well for the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, yeah, and what's that staying here? <laughs> yeah, I, well, no, I think I think it's them. I think it's him becoming demoralized because it's very weird to see. Look, I know what Torres is trying to. We both know what Torres is trying to get out of this. He's trying to get a better overall play from Kevin Hayes outside of offensive production because he's he's scored twenty nine points. He's almost he's just under a point a game for this team, and it's about off the puck play in my eyes. Like because he's and he had a bad turnover uh, the other night, which caused him to be to be to be benched in New Jersey. So like it's very it's he's not demoralized right now, which is good. But this is already the second time he was he was benched a couple of months ago with him and TK. That caused a stir also the third period. So if this keeps up, Kevin Hayes is going to continue to do his production stuff uh offensively, but if he can't get it done uh, off the puck and defensively, then what's the point in him like contributing offensively? Like that's really what the the snowball effect is. So I respect Torts's balls to do this, but it's also you could be playing with fire here, and at the end of it, you're just like short list. Give me the teams I want to be traded to, and we'll get it done. I listen. Okay, there's there's a lot to dive into with this. Okay, there is. Okay, let's let's first of all start with the scratching part of it. If you think that offense is an important part of hockey, um, you would be right. We just I just did a whole dissertation about goal scoring. Um, but it's not everything. It's really not. And, and that's that's the key of what the difference is between a good coach and a great coach. A good coach will look past some of those things because and just try to keep working with them because they're putting up points. A great coach, like you said, has the balls to be like, I don't care if you're putting up a point a night. You know, you're not doing your job. Sit your ass on the bench. That is something I think people should be applauding John Totorella for. You don't want to see a player get benched. But this this is this is this is the, the, the situation here. Yes, could Kevin Hayes become demoralized at one point and be like, hey, uh, I'm gonna be I wanna get out of here. Here's a list of teams. Get it done. Okay. Yes. Could that happen? There's going to probably not happen at all because his contract's too big. You're going to have to eat money on that for quite a few years, which I don't think the Flyers are really in a position to do. And the worst part about it is, is that, you know, Gary Bettman mentioned something about escrow last week and, you know, the cap might be staying flat next season as well. May not go up. And that would be a huge problem. For trying any team want to take on a, you know, I know people say he's more of a third line center. I disagree. I think he's a second line center, especially with his point total in the NHL. 
no team is really going to do that. I think that the part of this is, is bigger is that they need Kevin Hayes to be that second line center. And I really think they're trying to push him like, hey, look, dude, with all due respect, we threw a lot of money at you to do what you need to do. And you're putting up the points. That's not the problem. The problem is you're not playing the puck in your own end. You're not going to have success without those little things. That's why Scott Lawton is so, you know, um, lauded by John Tortorella well because he, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, see, nice see, see nice what I did there? Nice little there. pun. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So um, I think that that's really important to focus on is the, the defensive structure and the thing because. Yes, you might be able to not score a lot of goals right now, but you you build back to front. And a guy who's considered a leader in that locker room, a guy who's a veteran in the NHL, it, it doesn't matter if he's got 29 points in 31 games. You're not doing what you need to do to help your team. That's putting the team first. That should be, and this is also a message to every other player on that yeah, team. Yeah, And that's I mean, that's why Morgan Frost, I would say, is playing out of his mind right now, getting those four points in Phoenix or Arizona, whatever the hell they call themselves now, playing on a college Arizona. Uh, The University of Arizona, Coyotes. Yeah, exactly. Yes, in front of 5,000 people. Hey, apparently I've heard good things about that stadium in terms of uh, just like quality, but it's just hilarious because it's 5,000-seater for the NHL team. uh, Thank you. I was going to say, it's it's absolutely, I hear great things that there's not a bad view in the house because there's nobody there to begin with. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, yeah. good point. Because there's only 5,000 people. It's it's absolutely stupid. As a side note, not to digress, please relocate the frigging team. Yeah. Like, at this point, it's not working. No, Bring, bring back Quebec. Like, like Kansas City's even a great market that doesn't have hockey. Just teams. something. I I totally agree with you. Um, I'm sure Shane Gossesbury will enjoy moving out of Phoenix. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's just one of those things where you're trying to motivate players other than Kevin Hayes as well with something like that, and I think it's working to an extent. Um, but I also like if we're being completely honest here. Like I said, I don't know how good this team gets at the pace that you think they do. Like, if we're talking about a guy that's on a bloated contract two years away, three years away as a team, maybe, from being good, again, that magic phrase, two or three years away, like, is there really a future for him here? Like, can you move him, like you said, because that contract is so bloated, it's going to be tough, but I don't know. I I mean, really, really at the end of it, it's going to matter where you land in this year's draft. Do you get lucky and land the Bedard sweepstakes? And then you just go from there. Like, that's really when this, this organization can start making real moves. If you land the Bedard sweepstakes, Kevin Hayes becomes way more expendable. You can address it. You can give up more capital. You can give up that, that kind of stuff. Like, it's not, it's not, de- it's dependent on where you land this season, honestly. So, like, no, Kevin Hayes will not be traded at the trade deadline, similar to like what we're hearing with JVR's rumors. Who also has a monster cap hit? I believe it's seven million dollars or something like that. Yeah, but he's on the last year of his deal, and one million's already been paid as a bonus. So it, it, they've got five million cash to pay out. Teams can absorb that. Yep, and you can retain, the, especially the and you can retain. Yep. That's the key. So like JBR is obviously more expendable at the trade deadline. Kevin Hayes is not going anywhere at the trade deadline. If anything, he's going to go after the season ends, if at all. So. Probably not at all. Right. I, but again, it all depends on what happens with the Bedard sweepstakes. You can afford to give up things if you land Bedard. But that is a what if. That is a something that's not even in your control. If we're talking about a team that's now bottom six. 
Uh, they're sixth worst team in the NHL. I forget what the percentage is, but you have a chance. Like you can you can be like the Sixers, finish second worst or first worst, uh, worst in the NH- in the NBA in the NHL, and you still won't get the first overall pick because of how the lottery system works. So like you're playing a dangerous game, and that's also the reality. Like that's what also sucks about this 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 situation because the Flyers are not good. You're you're benching your best player, one of your best players, I should say, in Kevin Hayes, for other reasons that I actually kind of agree with. Um, I think you're playing with fire to an extent, but fine. Um, and you can still finish worst or second worst, third worst, and not land Bedard. Like that's the reality. Like that's the scary part of this situation because if you don't land Bedard, what honestly was it all for? Is it continued to just be like? Torts has us on the right track. Hopefully, we can get some goal scoring. Cutter Gutierrez is going to come up next season, and we'll see what happens. But again, the, to your philosophy, that's a lot of pressure on a young kid. So yeah, you know what? And here, while I also repeat- say like Bedard is the young kid that you have to put all the pressure on, so it's a little uh, hypocrisy for me. But that's how it goes. But even then, it's not even like they're going to get great overnight. I mean, look at the Penguins when they drafted Crosby. Look at the Flyers when they had Eric Lindros. They they it took them a couple of years, and and that, and that's that's a positive. But it's easier when you're not rebuilding around one player when you're building a team and adding another piece in at that and that that's where they're at. But let's let's go back to Kevin Hayes. First of all, he's not going anywhere. And I think that's why this is continuing to happen because, like I mentioned, they're, they're the flat cap, teams aren't going to be able to make the moves. And I don't think that everything doesn't wait on Bedard because they're already in salary cap hell. Come Having JVR come off the books for this next season is going to give them a little breathing room. Then you got to figure out what you're doing. But they're going to be in a, they're actually going to be in a bad position. And, and if they have Kevin Hayes, yes, they have he has three more years on his deal. After this season, you have two more years left on a deal. And it's not a bad thing if you need to retain a little bit and you want to try to, to, to fluctuate. Remember what we talked about with Jake Voracek before he was traded? This would be the time to do it like between the, 9th, the, 20, the 20, 20 and 21 season. Uh, you know, that's 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 what we talked about because of the cash. Um, so that's that's the key. It's the dollar amount there, not to get too technical, but the dollar amount is that if they get able to retain a little bit more, they'll be able to easily ship them off. The cap's not really going to go up, apparently, as of right now. So teams are going to be a little less hesitant to do that. Third of all, you 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 can't just dump the guy off because you really have to look at this from a hockey perspective and go, who replaces him? Who replaces him in the second line center? Because it, it doesn't come down to Bedard. It comes down to Couturier. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's the bigger thing. Because if you strike out on Bedard, this draft is deep enough where you're going to get an elite level talent early in the draft, mm-hmm. even if you strike out a Bedard. Yep. And and look, you know, and, Chicago, and, it's, and, it, and similar to like what we just saw in the Nolan Patrick Nico Heischer draft, Kale McCarr went after all of those guys, and look what he did for Colorado. So Bingo. like, it, it's not the end of the world, but Bedard is the shiny object that everybody wants. He, he's the, he's the generational talent. Yeah, he, Connor, Connor Bedard's a generational. Let's talent. be honest. In the highlights that I've watched, he's insane. Like, it is impressively insane how good he is with the puck in the junior levels. And who does he remind you of? Uh, God, a lot of Crosby. Uh, Who else? Uh, Who? Who's the best player in the NHL right now? Oh, uh, well, in the NHL right now? Yeah. 
This should not even be a question mark. I mean, I would say Kale McCarr, but he's a defensive. Oh, my God. Connor McDavid. Hello. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, Connor. yeah. Yeah. Look, that and get, but, <laughs> but that's also the fear. Well, that's my point. That's also the fear, though, right? Because I didn't even think of Connor McDavid because of where he is. And he is stuck in limbo. Oh, that's a fair point. He's stuck in limbo oh. and not going to win a Stanley Cup in Edmonton. He I is stuck up in that. the West. I, I mean, what is there any indication? It's been seven years or eight years, whatever the number is, since like there is no indication for a team that has had that many draft picks finally landed on the guy that they needed in uh, Connor McDavid, and you're stuck still. There's no indication that, that team's really going to contend. Well, uh, I shouldn't say right. contend, but actually win. Well, they went to the conference final last year. Red, they went to the conference final last year, and then just you know, and had a hard time against against Colorado. Um, what, what's killed? They're, they're a lot like the Flyers from the '90s. They have a lot of talent around. They have they have Connor McDavid and 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 Leon Draisaitl. It's like you know Lindros and Leclerc when they were here. What was the what was the breaking? What broke the Flyers back in the late '90s? Well, getting. Goaltender. Yeah, the goaltender. And that's where they're at with it. Because Mike Smith yeah, didn't get the job done last year. He was, he was old. Now, Jack Campbell's not playing that well this year. Um, they're struggling. They're Defensively, they're pretty solid. But clutch goaltending is what's going to kill them. They're going to have to outscore teams in the playoffs. It's not how the playoffs operate. But not to go on a you know an Oilers thing here. But the point is, is that they did the rebuilds around Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Like, for instance, Drysaddle was not like, you know, he wasn't the first overall pick, but he's arguably, I wouldn't say a better player than McDavid, but my God, seeing that guy, he just pinpoint accuracy. Okay. There, there's differences. When you got Crosby in, in, in Pittsburgh, they did a rebuild around Crosby. They had pieces there, and they did a rebuild around him. This is a different situation. This is a this is like for instance you you're trying to build what you're going to have around here, and if you wind up with Connor Bedard, it's a plus, it's a bonus. As crazy as that sounds, it's a bonus. I mean, another example would be Chicago. Chicago, okay, they started a rebuild, they started a retool, and they got guys like you know Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Pat, what's it called, um, uh, uh, Jonathan Taves, and then they got lucky and they got Patrick Kane. And then th- that's what I'm saying is that so that's the difference in situations here is that those teams got their prize guy and then build a team around that guy. Those are the ones they built. They built foundations and cores and then added pieces in there. So they added a guy like Patrick King to play with Jonathan Taves and they won three Stanley Cups. You're going to have the pieces here. We're going to put this all together. And then next thing you know, if you had a Connor Bedard or an elite talent there in, in some sort of top of the draft, you already have those pieces in place. You're adding to that. And I and, and that and that's that's the key that people need to look at. And Kevin Hayes is part of that. Because you can't just rely on a guy to come in here and just pick up the slack because yes, defensively is he having issues? Yes. But he's still almost a point per game player on a team that can't score. So that tells you that he's excelling and he's doing something right. But the thing is, is to shore up those little points in this game so that way this team can go to the next level. And it's really important for Kevin Hayes to know, which hopefully he does. And I think John Tortorella, I don't think Tortorella cares about contracts or anything like that. But when you're a guy who's making $7 million a year, you're expected to play like a guy who should make $7 million a year. 
and you need to play in all three phases of the game. They need to do it well. And I think that from what John Tortorella said from day one of his press conference here, when he looks at Kevin Hayes, there's more there. And that's exactly what you do. Now, the last flip side, and I'll move on from this, is that could this end up in a situation like Pierre-Luc Dubois? So for those who don't know, in Columbus, they had a young center with a lot of talent named Pierre-Luc Dubois. Tortorella is old school in a sense where he's going to want you to develop away from the puck before you worry about your offense. And he got on Pierre-Luc Dubois' case about it, fine to a point where, and when he was alluding to this in his opening press conference. And I go back to that because it's important to understand what he talked about then and what we're seeing now. I recommend anybody take the half hour, go watch his opening press conference and say, you know what, this guy's been right all along. He said sometimes he's pushed players too hard, okay? And it's a fine line you have to walk. And that's exactly why he did with Pierre-Luc Dubois, and that's why they flipped him to Winnipeg for Patrick Laine. And then he had his own problems with Laine, with playing ladies defensively, but he got better. That And that, that's the thing is that, but that's a different situation. That's a young center in the National Hockey League with a lot of talent. This is a veteran center in the NHL on a bloated contract and you, you have to really push him because it's like, dude, whether you like it or not, you're good. I know you're going to be here. So you're going to fix this. And you're not going to play. I don't care if you put on a point per game. You're going to sit in third period in, against the game because I can't trust you defensively. And that sh- hopefully resonates with him and understands that, look, there's more to the eye here. I got to do better and, and force him to do better. I, I would even say at this point in the season, yes, while they're only 10 points out, if his point total starts to dip significantly, but his defensive play improves, that's much, much better. That's a great positive for the Flyers because it sets you up for success if you do win the Bedard sweepstakes. So that's what I'm saying. He ain't going nowhere. So, but that's that's the deep dive into it why he wouldn't go anywhere. Yep. Uh, the final thing I have before we wrap is the Flyers are never going to be sold by Dave Scott and Comcast because the franchise is the eighth most valuable franchise in the NHL at $1.25 billion, Scott. So if this all fails, nothing's going to change with ownership in the fan base. $1.25 billion. I, I, you know what? It's weird to me still that a team is owned by a frigging cable company. Like, I mean, you know, they're at the end of the day, Comcast is a cable company. It's cable. There's a reason this thing isn't working. I'm like, I if you had someone in tune, there'd be a little more. And I, we, we, look, we went after ownership slightly last week, and I'm not going after them today. And this is America, and this is capitalism, and this is freedom, and all that jazz. But I can really get annoyed at the fact that from a business standpoint, especially in Philadelphia, this 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 feels like a Norman Brayman situation. And for the, you know, and 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 that's the thing is that you know, Norman Brayman was a god awful owner, but was you know, took that whole claim, oh, I'm from I'm from Philadelphia, I'm gonna own this thing and all that stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. And he's just a sleazy car dealer from Florida. That's really what it came down to. I'm not going to sit here and criticize Dave Scott. I'm not. I mean, is it his fault that he got put in this position? Somewhat. But at the same time, this is a problem where 
a team that doesn't normally own a hockey team is going out of their realm and purchasing the Flyers years ago from Ed Snyder to go and put people in place who can only make decisions really on the business side. They need consultants to know about the hockey side. I, you know, if you're going to have success in business, you need to have someone in place that knows how to run a hockey team, knows how to own the ownership. This is what I'm saying is that I've been I've been long standing for this. And you know what? As crazy as this sounds, this might be Chuck Fletcher's future. Now, let me get to it in a second. They're worth $1.2 billion because of the brand, because of the Flyers, because of the arena, because of things that they've done to the, with the franchise, that they're still a valuable brand. You look at the sales they make, the name. When you ask people the Flyers, they know who they are, their history. All that stuff, their value is going up. They own their arena. The key is, is that what they don't have is they don't have an ownership that's in tune to connect the fan base to the business side of the operation. That's when you have guys who are like presidents of hockey operations. A great example of this is a guy named Brian Burke. I'm, I've mentioned Brian Burke a lot of this time. He won the Stanley Cup as general manager of the, 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 the Ducks in 07, was the GM of the Vancouver Canucks. He was the president of hockey operations in Calgary for years until their GM, Brad Living was ready to take over. He was like the gray hair in the room. Now... He's with Ron Hextall in Pittsburgh, and those two were because, you know, you saw the problem that Hextall had here is that Hextall was the GM and basically given carte blanche and, and rammed it the way he would, and it didn't work out in his favor. Now, with a guy, for instance, you have Brian Burke and you have Ron Hextall. If Hextall was like, I want the guys to eat new nutrition and that, blah, blah, you have Berkey on the other side go, yeah, dude, like, no, this is probably the way to go about it. They, You have more of a consultant so to speak, a guy who's been through it enough to kind of gain you the, the garner you the experience with that. That's what the Flyers are missing. They're missing that. That could be the future of Chuck Fletcher, depending on what happens here, because generally the Flyers don't like to fire people. They like to change their roles into the organization, and they do like him. And apparently Dave Scott really likes Chuck Fletcher as a person. But at the same time, hey, I know you see your role in your eyes there, Bill. But the thing is, is that some people hold intrinsic value in that. So it's it's a big deal. So the key comes down to this is that the Flyers are really and the, the reason why there's such a disconnect between the fans and, and ownership is because it's not Ed Snyder. It's not a guy who couldn't who was able to marry that fan, you know, that fan experience and, and, and the closest with the fans and marry it to the hockey side and say, we're gonna go for it every single year. We're gonna go for it. We're we're going, we're going, we're going. We wanna win that coming. Yeah, the the Flyers fans have problems with they uh, with uh, Ed Snyder and and Bob Clark back in the day. Yes, but it worked because they were really successful for a really long time. Holmgren came in and was really successful for a really long time. But that's what they're missing now. And and the yes, their value has gone up, and Comcast is probably not going to sell it at this point or anything. But if they decide that you know what, hockey's not working out for us anymore. It's not the business strategy we want to go on. They're going to get a, a lot of money for it. But the, at the same time, if whatever happens with Dave Scott's future, they've really got to bring some sort of person in here who can marry the fans with the business side of the operation. And that's something where, you know, the business side, you don't even notice because you're so focused on the hockey side of it. 
I just think that, that there's not enough knowledge there, per se, from the entirety of the whole, I don't know, business and fan experience to, to that, that they can make it work. So I, and that's the thing is that, and, that, and that's, that's, a, that's the conundrum they're in. And for, it's a conundrum for Comcast as well. Maybe people don't realize that it's a conundrum for Comcast. It's like, we got this asset that's worth $1.25 billion. It makes money, but you don't have the right people running it. So, you know, you haven't seen the full results from it yet, but it's just that you're not going to get people to believe in it. It's not like a Jeff Lurie who comes in here and who wants to win every single year and does whatever he can to win. You don't have that feeling. And that's why I feel like the fans are disconnected from the Flyers because it's just a business going about the operations and worrying more about the bottom line than they are about, you know, making the fans happy sometimes. And it really presents that way because there is no Ed Snyder. There is no Jeff Lurie. There is no John Middleton. And there's no whoever owns the Sixers at this point. I, I don't even forget. Sixers you know, are a so. bad example. Harris Sports. Who knows? Yeah. That's, there you go. Another company. Another Who company. Who owns the Harris Devils? Sports. They own the Devils. Yeah. So when, and the thing is like, when corpor- and it's basically, it comes down to corporations. When corporations own these teams, it's more negative than positive. Now, Bill, why did why didn't you cut me off in the middle of my tangent and just say that? I didn't know when to <laughs> I didn't know when to find the spot. I to literally do it. just went on a five minute. Corporations tangent about how are the problem of owning they sports are. franchises. Like, Correct. Like we knew Comcast Spectacle was here, like you said, because they owned the building. But when Ed Snyder was here, he was the face of everything. It was the face of everything. So, Correct. And then Comcast just purchased the rest of the shares or whatever you want the portion of the team that Snyder owned, so they became the majority owner after Ed Snyder passed away. And that's the disconnect. And that's the disconnect that people don't realize. That's 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 the disconnect. You don't have that person in place to say, this is my team. We're going this direction. It's just a bunch of people trying to figure out strategy behind closed doors, and there's no trust with the fans with that. And that's the problem. All right, that is going to do it. Episode 135. Uh, I didn't ask you this in the pregame. Or what are we doing this week it's christmas are we recording later this week or just taking the week off i didn't ask you this putting you on the spot now put me on the spot well, let's see they play columbus on the 20th they have three games this week tuesday thursday friday and then they're off for a couple of weeks uh for a week i mean listen they play toronto i have no hesitation of sitting here and blasting toronto so um <laughs> Yeah, right. I we'll, think, we'll uh, figure it out. Stay we'll tuned. we'll figure out. Maybe we'll do a special holiday episode. You know, yeah, it'll be like ten minutes on. All right, that's gonna yeah. do it. Make sure you follow us: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Orange Backcheck Podcast. Wherever you are following us, OrangeBackcheck at gmail.com. Thank you again to Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when signing up and make a same game parlay, pregame money line, and you can get one hundred and fifty dollars if that team wins. Good luck, uh, my God. Continue to try and enjoy this team. We'll talk to you next time. Here's my prediction for next week. Episode 136 of Orange and Back Check. Flyers suck. Toronto sucks. Merry Christmas. <laughs>